here as we've gone through uh, the book of Hebrews. We've come to the fifth chapter. And we're going to be looking at verses uh, 1 through 10 tonight. And this body of, uh, 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 that uh, we're going to look at, this section that we're going to look at, we're seeing, remember the author of, uh, uh, of Genesis is, uh, Genesis of, of Hebrews is, uh, been talking about, you know, that Jesus is just better. Jesus is just better. He's better than the angels. He, and, and so he now, he's, uh, moved into, uh, chapter number five and now he brings up the subject of the high priest. And of course, he's going to, uh, tell his audience that Jesus is just better when it comes to being a high priest. By the way, uh, when we look at that, we all understand if you've been saved and you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a priest. You're in the priesthood of the believers. And what does that mean? That means that if you go back to the Old Testament, we understand that only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is where the very presence of God was there. And the high priest could only go once a year. And that was the Day of Atonement where he would bring uh, to atone for the sins of of the people. But then we also understand uh, that when Jesus died, the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the, the, the veil, the curtain that separated uh, us from coming into the Holy of Holies, the Bible says that it was torn in two. That is symbolic that because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, because He was our ultimate sacrifice, because He took care of something that we could not take care of, now we have access. We do not have to go through a priest anymore. We can go into the throne room of grace boldly. And that's exactly where we're at here. Now, as we set the stage, understand that a king could not be a priest. Okay? Now, the king could not be a priest. Now, we also see that there was prophets. And a, a, a prophet uh, could be a king, but a king could not be a priest. And we're going to look in just a few moments how the Word of God and how God Himself took that very seriously. He took it seriously that... Only a priest could do the priestly duties. No one else could do that. And we're going to see, he gives a contrast as we go through these uh, ten verses. He gives a contrast. He first of all talk, talks about God's man. And then we're going to see he talks about the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So we're in Hebrews chapter 5. Here's what the word of the Lord says. It says, For every high priest, take it from among men, is ordained. Underline that word. That's a key word. Ordained. They, they are ordained. Uh, they're ordained uh, for men in things pertaining to God. Now here, for first thing that we're going to look at is there, uh, we're going to see there's a calling we use that term quite often. And I'm telling you, uh, in, the, in our society today, and even in our churches today, I think we may have 
watered that word down a little bit. When you receive a call from God, that's serious business. You do not take it lightly. And I'm telling you, many of our churches, I believe they've taken it lightly. And could it be that's the reason why God has not manifested Himself the way He wants to manifest Himself is we call we took the things that are of Him, we've taken them lightly. A calling's a serious business. Then he goes on, he says, uh, to, do, uh, uh, to perform uh, uh, pertaining to God, that he may offer gifts and sacrifices for sin. Then in verse number 2 he says, And who can have compassion on the ignorant? I'm glad he included me in that. He has compassion upon the ignorant. Now, he's not talking intellectually. He's talking about they just didn't know better. Okay? And on them that are out of the way. We've looked at this before. That phrase, out of the way, it means a non-believer. It means that someone does not know uh, Jesus in a personal way. See, when you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're out of the way. Matter of fact, uh, early on, they would uh, refer to believers as those who are in the way. The way of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says here, he has compassion. Aren't you glad that our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, has compassion when we do things that maybe we really don't realize that we've messed up? Aren't you glad that he still gives us a solution to the problem? Not only that, but aren't you glad that even when we know willingly sin and know we've sinned, aren't you glad he still have a solution to the problem? But then he goes on, he says, uh, to them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. Now, verse number three. And by reason hereof he ought as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. Now we're just going to stop there for just a moment and we're going to see these first four verses. It's talking about God's Man, I want you to notice that he uses that word called, called. What does it mean to be called? Well, we already alluded to the fact that a king could not be a priest. Uh, And that's a very serious matter. We also understand, you see it in verse number 1 and you'll see it in verse number 4 where it says uh, and uses that terminology of called or ordained. What exactly does that mean? Well, we see the principles involved in Philippians chapter 3 verses 14 through 15. Uh, 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 12 through 13, I'm sorry. What's the principle? Now, I'm paraphrasing here. 
Remember, uh, Paul is talking about uh, running a race and, uh, and, and using that uh, athletic terminology. And in this verse that I, I just uh, made reference to in Philippians chapter 3, he says and talks about, I have not apprehended. But he says, I have been ha- apprehended of Christ. What is he talking about? He's saying the principle involved here is man does not call himself. You're only called by God. See, we can go ahead and understand this, that we'll have ordination services and we've had many of those. And we'll have the laying on of hands where those who have been ordained will come and place their hand on this one who's being ordained. But we need to realize that there is no power in those men's hands. There is, there is no might in those men's hands. See, we don't ordain them. God's already ordained them. And what the church is doing is just saying we agreed what God has already done in their life. I'm telling you, this is serious business when you're called of God. And and then he goes on and he talks about being uh, called. But uh, we see also in Amos chapter 7. In Amos chapter 7 verses 14 through 15. Amos is speaking now. He says, I am no prophet and I'm not even a son of a prophet. He says, I'm nothing but a herdsman and a gatherer of fruit from the sycamore tree. In other words, he's saying, hey, I'm a nobody. I'm just out here. I'm tending to my flock. I'm taking care of the orchards here. I I do not uh, stand up and say that I'm a prophet. But later on, he says, but Lord looked upon me and the Lord said, go and prophesy. Amos had no intention to be a prophet. Uh, Amos had uh, no inkling that that he wanted to be a a prophet. But God saw fit to place a calling on his life. See, here's what we need to understand. You do not seek it. God will seek you. And so here he says that we've been called. But then we go on and we'll see Vance Havner said it this way. Vance Havner said, he says, I am not a prophet. I'm not even a son of a prophet. But I will be until a prophet shows up. That's pretty good, isn't it? Vance Hefner, what he's saying is, he says, I do not recognize the fact that I'm a prophet. Now, we throw that term around quite often. Matter of fact, uh, we see that many people refer to themselves as a prophet. But here, I'm telling you, we better be careful that we throw these terms around loosely. God takes it seriously. And, but, but he talks about a priest. Now, I'll show you how the, the seriousness of, of a king trying to do priestly duties. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, we all know the story, King Saul. And King Saul thought it would be a, a good idea for him uh, to perform some priestly duties. He was not supposed to do that. Even though he was a king, he did not have the credentials to be a priest. Why? Because God had not called him to be a priest. So here's what happened. Saul lost his kingship. God doesn't play around with this. 
We also see it in 2 Chronicles uh, uh, chapter number 26. We see that King Uzziah, we all know King Uzziah. You go back to Isaiah chapter 6 and we're introduced to King Uzziah. Well, King Uzziah thought it would be okay that because he was a king that he could go ahead and he could just do some things that only uh, a priest could do. And so he attempted that. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, we see that God gave him leprosy. God takes this serious. But then we also see that Korah and some of his other rebel followers thought they would go ahead and make themselves priests. And so they go ahead and try to do some priestly things. And the Bible tells us that the earth opened up and a great hole came to be in and swallowed them up. My dear friend, we need to understand when you have the word ordain or you use the word call, you better be careful how you use it and you better be careful that this is not a calling from you or from somebody else, but it's a call from God. Now, in that same vein... With that understanding is that we very be very, very careful in how we treat those who are called of God. I'm going to tell you a true story. I was in uh, Florida, which by the way, won yesterday. But uh, <laughs> hey, I'm taking my shots as long as I can. Uh, I was uh, a pastor in my first church, Santa Fe Baptist Church. Right across the street from the church was a, uh, a pastor of a church about three or four miles down the road, or he was the pastor of the church three or four miles down the road. A godly man. Loved the Lord. And back some uh, years ago, uh, I started to, uh, when I engaged in conversation, I found this out. For some reason, there were four deacons in that church that didn't like what he was doing as the pastor. And so they thought it was time for him to go. And uh, so they started to orchestrate some things and started to say some things. And long story short, uh, they got their wishes and uh, he had to leave the church. Within two years of that, those four deacons that uh, instrumental, uh, they were the, the ones that were the spearhead of all this, Within two years, three of them died. Now, one of them died. No apparent history of heart attacks. Dropped over dead one day of a heart attack. There was another one that had a freak accident, took his life. The third one is the same uh, situation, but his illness was a, uh, 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 was a, l- a little longer illness. But within two years, those four deacons who thought they knew uh, better than God and tried to get a man who was a godly man, a called man of God, and got him out of the church, those three out of the four are now dead. And then he told me, He said, and he told me the man's name. He said, do you know who he is? I said, well, I see him down at the store sometimes. He said, he was the fourth man. And he says, that man is not the same man that he used to be. 
He said, that man is now running scared. Had good reason to. Had a little freak accident on his farm. He was in a truck. And uh, he was there close to his pond. And for no apparent reason, he had just had the truck checked. It was a fairly new truck. Didn't have any signs. Uh, His brakes failed. And the car truck rolled into the pond and he barely escaped with his life. I'm telling you, God takes it serious when He calls a man. And we better take it serious of how we treat those who are called of God. Now, say, so do you really believe that God will do something like that? We see it all through the Bible. I've seen personal testimony of how it happened. What am I saying? What I'm saying is when God places a call on a man, God will take care of the man. You don't have to go and you don't have to drum up and and you don't have to have a campaign to go ahead and get rid uh, of the, the man of God. I'm telling you, if he's been a called man of God, God will take care of it. And so here he says, first of all, that these priests, prophets, they were called of God. They didn't select themselves. God selected them. But now he moves on. and We pick up in verse number 5, going through verse number 10. We've seen God, uh, the, uh, the God's man. Now we're going to see the God man. Now we start to see the contrast, if you will. Now we're going to start seeing that Jesus, he is our high priest. And Jesus is much, much better than those that we just talked about. Now I want you to look in verse number 5. In verse number 5, he says this. Uh, as, he, as he's uh, talking, and he says, and, and so, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son today. Some translations will have this day. Today uh, have I begotten thee. Now, of course, he's making reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse number 6, we see that is a quote uh, from Psalms 2, uh, the second Psalm, uh, verse number 7. But when we go into that, we, we see here that what is he talking about? He's talking about that the Lord Jesus did not uh, honor himself. In John chapter 5, in John chapter 8, I'm sorry. John chapter 8, look at verse number 34. I'm paraphrasing here. Jesus is speaking. Jesus says, I have not come to honor myself, but my Father honoreth me. He says, oh, by the way, you call him God. See, Jesus says, I've not come to honor myself. I don't need to be doing that. He says, God the Father honors me. 
I started thinking about that and I came to this. I'm getting a little bit older. I understand that. And I'll have younger guys. And when I was in school, I was an older guy there in school. And I had younger guys come up to me and, you know, they would talk to me. And uh, they were uh, talking about how uh, they were had these plans for when they graduate and all these kind of things like that. I've had them say something like, you know, uh, as soon as I get to uh, graduate from school here, I just kind of see myself in somewhere like First Baptist Dallas or, you know, one of the, the larger churches there. And I just look at them and I said, who are you trying to kid? That, that is quite arrogant. Why do you think that as soon as you graduate from Bible school that you're going to be able to be in a position like that? What they were doing was they were promoting themselves. Now I want you, and and I'm not upset. I am upset because I'm telling you, we are treating the things of God too lightly. And I've come to realize that I don't have to promote myself. I don't have to go ahead and I don't need to go ahead and, and talk to somebody that I know has some connections a lot of times when I was going to the convention on a regular basis, that's, that you would hear a lot of that. It would be guys that are in trouble at a church, and so they're trying to make connections. They know they're in trouble at that church. They want to get out of their church, and so they're trying to find another church. And so they're starting to make connections. It was almost like being at a political rally. You know, and so they were going around and, and, and I'm thinking, I didn't, I didn't think this, the things of God worked like this, but maybe they did. You know, I'm a new guy and I'm thinking, and I thought, this just doesn't seem right. And the reason why I didn't think it seemed right, it was because it's not right. If God has called me, God will open the doors for me. I don't have to kick them in. I don't have to get my little group that's going to go ahead and plead my case. I'm going to have to go ahead and orchestrate things. I don't have to do no backroom deals. If God's called me, God will quit me and God will open the doors that I need to go through. And by the way, uh, if you're not faithful in the little things, why in the world do you think he's going to give you something larger? We've treated the things of God so flippantly and we've lost sight of the fact and that's the reason why the church is not making the impact. That's the reason why we're not seeing the manifestation of the Lord move in a miraculous way is because we're trying to take matters in our own hands. We're going ahead and trying to get our little group together. We're going to go ahead and make these backroom deals and do all kinds of stuff like that when we just need to go back and sit back and say, Lord, I've surrendered to you. I've come to you and I'm yours and you'll do what you want and he will give you the opportunity opportunities that he wants you to have and when he gives you the opportunities and you've been faithful to what he's given you then you're going to see the move of God and so here Jesus says I didn't have to promote myself I didn't have to honor myself God the Father did that but now as I thought about that we've already heard Aaron's name mentioned Aaron was chosen by God. Would you agree with that? Aaron was chosen by God. Jesus was chosen as God. Did you catch that? 
see, God does the picking and choosing. It is a grace act. None of us deserve what Jesus has given us. Would you agree with that? None of us here, no matter where you're serving or what you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ, you didn't deserve that position. And I'm going to be quite honest with you and I'm going to be as serious as I can with you. I have fully come to the realization that it's all because of the grace of God that I'm before you tonight. There's far better preachers out there. I know that. There's far better orators. There's far better Bible scholars. I understand all of that. But I'm telling you, I am living proof. It's the grace of God has allowed me to do what I can do. And I want him to know I give him all praise and glory for what he's done for me. Because I know I don't deserve it. But he gave it to me anyway. And if you're saved, you ought to shout. You ought to sing Amazing Grace like you've never sung it before because it's all by grace, which means that none of us have any bragging rights. We all came the same way by His wonderful, marvelous grace. But then we see that in chapter number 7, we move into what took place at the guard. Now, before we move in verse number 6, I want you to look at the... Remember Psalm 2-7 says this. It says, this day or today. Understand, this was written well before Jesus ever came into the scene, right? Notice the word, begotten son. We hear that referring to the Lord Jesus. Remember when Jesus was baptized? What did God the Father say? This is my beloved Son. So Psalms 2 is a messianic psalm. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ here. Now, we say, wait a minute, wait a minute. How could it be? Because he says, today or this day. Well, today or this day that he's referring to is referring to Jesus. Now, watch this. Jesus, when he was born, that's not what he's talking about here. Jesus, when he was born and he grew up, Jesus was taking the role of the prophet. Remember, if you follow the life of Jesus, we see uh, that uh, you would hear him say, no one's ever talked like him before. Jesus, when he was teaching, he was teaching things that were radical to the religious sect at that day. Jesus, when he's talking about, he says, I've come not to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. That, that was radical. It was radical that no longer was he talking about buying into a religious organization, but he was talking about having a personal relationship. That was radical teaching in that day. See, Jesus was radical. (laughs) Aren't you glad Jesus is radical? So here's my take on that. 
you are okay if you like to have a little shout every now and then. It's okay if you raise your hand from time to time. It's okay if you stand and raise hands to Him and you're praising Him. It's okay that uh, you go and you're talking uh, to the uh, checkout uh, uh, gal about the Lord Jesus. And you know they'll tell you you're just kind of getting a little too radical about that. It's okay to be radical for Jesus. Because Jesus was radical too. So we see here that when he was here on earth, he was taking the role of the prophet. But then we see that he's going to take the role of the king when he comes back. We're not talking about the rapture. We're talking about the second coming. Remember, that's two different events. The rapture, his feet do not touch the ground. And we'll go to meet him. But then the Bible says there will be a time when he will come back with his saints and he's going to set foot and he's going to go ahead and set up his millennial kingdom. He's going to be king. King Jesus. Warrior king. Mighty king. But here, this day, that's making reference to there in Psalms is talking about today. Jesus is our high priest. See, the priest was the mediator. The priest would take and he would take the sacrifices of the people, their sin sacrifices, and he would go in. He would be their, he would be their representative, if you will, and then he would enter into the Holy of Holies and he would present uh, those aton- uh, the, the sin offering that on the Day of Atonement. And so he was the go-between us and the Lord. See, Jesus said it this way. Jesus says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And the Jesus has gone on to say, uh, if you're wanting to get to the Father, you got to go by me. See, we come to understand that's the reason why we pray in Jesus' name because Jesus is our mediator. The Bible says He's sitting there at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding for us. Even as we speak tonight, Jesus is interceding for you and He's interceding for us. And we come to understand He is our great high priest. He's the true priest. He's the priest. He's he's better than all those who have come before him. He's better. He's just better. But then I find it interesting in verse number 7. Notice the word usage there. In verse number 7, it's making reference to the garden. Now, what is he praying in the garden? Well, Jesus is praying, and he's of course, knows that he's fixing to go to the cross. Jesus knows that he's, that he's fixing to die. So Jesus is not stressing out, if you will, over dying. He's, he's not praying, Lord, would you just take me from death? Why do we know that? Because Jesus willingly went to die for us. No one had to force Jesus. It wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't the Jews, it wasn't the Romans, it wasn't any of those that many people say that he's the one that crucified him, crucified him. It was us who crucified him. And even though we were the ones that crucified him because of our sin, he didn't try to get out of it. 
Sometimes people, if you read it, they're thinking, well, Jesus is really struggling with that. He didn't struggle with death. He's not sweating death because he knew. He knew that if he didn't go to die, we would have to. See, that's the reason why it's amazing love. The Bible says that he loved us even while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait till you got your act together. He didn't wait till you got all cleaned up. He went and died for you when you were still in a mess and you were rotten in your sin. He still died for you. Death is not a big deal to Jesus because he knew that on that third day he was getting up. (laughs) You didn't hear what I just said. I said death is not a big deal to Jesus because he knew on the third day he was going to get out of the grave. And by the way, because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that same Holy Spirit is the Spirit that resides in this. And so that day that you die, it shouldn't be a big deal. You should be able to be like the psalmist and say, Yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, shadows can't hurt you. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Oh, dearly beloved, we got something to shout about. Death is not a time that we get to say goodbye. Death is see you later. Woo! That's good! I'm telling you, we've had uh, Brother Donald and, and his uh, service. It was like going to church. And I thought, this is the way it ought to be for a believer. Man, we sang songs and uh, heard the word preached and, and, and all that. Uh, here uh, on Tuesday, going to be doing another service for a believer. And I'm telling you, it's not like I jump up and down and say, oh, well, here's another uh, funeral. I can't wait. I'm not saying to that fact, but I'm telling you, it's very difficult to bring words of comfort to a grieving family if you don't know where that loved one's going. But when you know where that loved one's going, you can give them all kinds of comfort. You can tell them their body may be down here, but their spirit's gone on. And then there's coming a day because of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the dead in Christ will rise first. And those who are alive, they will be changed in an instant. And together we will greet him and we will be with him forever. No big deal for Jesus. But notice also, Jesus never went into the Holy of Holies. Now, why is that? Why, 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 why did Jesus not think, you know, I, I think it'd be pretty cool. Uh, I can go here in the Holy of Holies. Because when Jesus was here on earth, he was, his function was that of a prophet. Because if he had gone into the Holy of Holies, they would ask him, what tribe are you from? Um, I'm from the tribe of Judah. Oh, you're disqualified. Only Levite. But notice in the text that we looked at tonight, 
Notice how the Word of God, don't you just love the Word of God? And, you know, it, 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 sometimes if you're not careful, you just think it just kind of gets there and kind of gets, uh, you know, things just got kind of throw in. Everything has been orchestrated. Everything is down to the detail. It's all truth. And that's the reason why he uses, he's from the order of Melchizedek. Very important. Melchizedek, we see him in Genesis chapter 14, I believe. Don't know a whole lot about Melchizedek. But we know this. He had no beginning and he had no end. And also, he was a priest before Aaron and the Levites. And they said this about Jesus. That's the order that he's from. Because Jesus had no beginning and he has no end. See, if you go to the beginning, he was already there. And when this old world dissolves, because the Bible said there will be a new heaven and a new earth, he will never have an end. See, Jesus is just better. He's just better because he's our priest now. And the Bible, tell in the passages that we read, and we're fixing to land this bird here, okay? When we see this, we see the contrast, and we see that he says that he had compassion on the ignorant and the compassion on those that are out of the way. When you go back to the priest in the Old Testament, see, <clears throat> oh, this gets good. Before they could present sins for the people, they had to present a sin offer from themselves. See, they had sin. But the great high priest, he's never sinned. He didn't have a capacity to sin. He didn't have to bring a sacrifice for himself. He was the sacrifice. And because of his sacrifice, we no longer, when we come to church, have to bring an animal sacrifice. Because when Jesus became our sacrifice... It was a one-time deal. I listen to different kinds of music and whatnot like that, but, uh, and they have this, um, uh, it's a show where they, uh, they play a little bit of a song and you're supposed to guess in an amount of time. Y'all, y'all probably, some, none of you are going to admit to it though. But, uh, and, and, and they, have, they had a category one night of one-hit wonders. And, and, you know, the, the, the only song that they did, and that was that one song. I started thinking about that. Jesus was a one-time sacrifice wonder. He didn't have to get back up there. He didn't have to do like the priests did back in those days where they had to do it year after year after year after year after year. Jesus took care of it one time. And because Jesus took care of it one time, our salvation is a one-time deal. 
people, and I know they mean well, but they'll say things like, I got saved again. And, I, and, and of course, you, what they meant to say is, I really got saved. I thought I was saved and uh, come to find out I'm not saved. And I understand and I'm not, you know, beating them up for that. But you can only get saved one time. Now, I've had some arguments with people about that. And I just say, well, uh, what you're telling me is that Jesus will have to get back up on the cross if you can lose your salvation. And they look at me a little funny and I said, is that what you're trying to say? And they look at you a little funny and I said, because if you're saying that, then I do not need to have any more dialogue with you because you're preaching and you're talking heresy. Folks, that's heresy when you say, because the Word of God is quite clear. Jesus paid it all and He had just pay it one time. Now, look, as we close out, we talk about the compassion. It talks about uh, the saga. It talks about he was chosen. Talk about all that. And we see as it closes this section out, we see that Jesus fulfilled every one of those qualifications. Jesus was the only one that could fulfill those qualifications. Now, I understand that we are a royal priesthood. I understand that. But we still need to have a high priest who will intercede for us. And when I say intercede, not only intercede, but he is... What's the word I guess I can say is he is pleading our case. Now, I don't know how many of you have had to go to court and had to get lawyers... Probably 90% of you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't get stop being out of shape. Someone out there said, how did he know? Did he... <laughs> I don't know. I do not know. I do not know any of y'all's criminal records. <laughs> but, you know, you go and you try, if you can afford it, get the best lawyer to plead your case. But aren't you glad when it comes to matters of eternal value, you don't have to pay your defense lawyer. By the way, he, he, he turned the table. He paid it for you. <laughs> Is that not a cool deal? You didn't have to pay him. He went ahead and paid it for you. And he's never lost a case. Never lost a case. Back some time ago, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to close. Back some time ago, we was doing Heaven's Gates, Heaven Flames. Or I always get that mixed up. Anyway, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> well, always excited. We had a lot of people come to know the Lord and all that. And so uh, Donna has a sister who lives in Phoenix, Arizona. And so we, uh, she called her, her uh, sister uh, and, and told her about it. And, and boy, she got excited, you know, how many salvations and all that. So she went and told her pastor. So Gail calls Donna back a few days later and said, uh, oh yeah, he says, I talked to my pastor about, you know, uh, that and how many uh, came uh, and got saved, made professions of faith. And uh, Donna says, uh, well, what did your pastor say? 
She said, uh, next time I talk to you, he, he wants to know what was the retention rate. Well, that fired me up. I was ready to get on a plane to Phoenix and find that bird head. And I wanted to tell him, everyone that Jesus got, Jesus kept. I'm telling you, Jesus never lost a case. And he's still on the throne. And he's our great high priest. And there's coming a day when when he will relinquish those duties. And then he's going to come king. King Jesus. And the Bible tells us there in Revelation, we're going to be able to rule and reign alongside him. Isn't that wonderful? He's a true high priest.